Amen. So we, um, we believe that uh, God speaks and that God's got a book out. And in that book, he speaks with incredible clarity, incredible wisdom, and incredible passion into our lives. So we're going to open Mark's gospel, if you have a, a copy of the Bible, and we're going to read together from Mark's gospel, chapter 7. We're in a series where we're looking at the life of Jesus and trying to say, what does it actually look like to believe the stuff and do the stuff of Jesus? What would that really look like? What was going on? What's Jesus doing what does it mean to encounter uh, him? Um, and before we read from Mark chapter 7, which is a really hard passage of scripture, by the way, it's really, uh, it's not, this is not going to be fun all the time. I'll try and make it fun-ish, but it's not going to be fun the whole time as we, as we deal with this stuff. Uh, I want to tell you, I, I've got issues. I'm sure you have them too, but I've got, I've got issues. I am... Um, I, a number of issues, I'm not going to reveal all of them to you, but I've got some. So one, one of my issues is that I'm always hurrying everywhere. You know, I, I, I teach the stuff, you know, busy is fine, hurry is a curse, but I'm always hurrying. So much so that a couple of weeks ago, through the door, I got a letter from the police. Uh, and uh, the letter from the police was, I tried to palm it off as Nikki, but it was me. And uh, I had been caught by some camera, apparently it was on, and uh, I was doing more than I should be doing in a zone I shouldn't be doing it. And, and here's the thing, it was on a Sunday morning on the way to church. And, and, the, and the thing is, it's not, it, you know, so I've paid my fine and it's not a laughing matter, but, but the, the, the issue is this, there's something, that I was, I'm hurried all the time, I'm hurrying. I've got other issues. I'm pretty judgy. You know, I try, I try not to be, but actually, do you know, I'm, I'm kind of judging people. Not you, any of you. But I am, you know, I can walk down the street and I can go, why are you wearing that? <laughs> I don't say it, that would be wrong. But in my head, I'm thinking, why are you with him? Why, why, why are you driving so quickly? <laughs> I'm doing this judge. I, do you ever do that? And then, and then I'm not very patient or kind at times. I'm just not. As I, I want to be, but I'm not. The, the issue is I'm sick. I'm just, I'm just got some stuff in me that needs to be dealt with in me. Just this week, my mum had some pretty bad medical news. Could have been worse. Not much worse, but it, it wasn't good. And uh, I know that some of you have experienced that, and I know that if, you're, if you haven't experienced it at some time, you're likely to experience it, either for yourself or for someone that you love. And when you go and see a doctor and they say the thing that you wish they hadn't said and you hope they don't say, when you've got beyond it, when the fog lifts, when, when, when you kind of got, take a deep breath and you go, wow, okay, you want to know some stuff, don't you? You want to know what the true diagnosis is. You want to know what the prognosis is. You want to know what, what's it going to mean for me. And, and you want to know what the treatment is. How, how's this stuff going to get dealt with? How's it going to get cured? Can it be healed? Can it be, can it be sorted? And, and here's the thing. You don't just want the headache to go away or the stomachache to go away or to stop happening. You want to know what's causing this stuff. What's the root of it? Can I prevent it? Can, I, can we cut it out? Can we, 
Can we deal with the stuff? Can we stop it at the source? And so today I want to talk to you about the source of your sickness and the source of my sickness and and how we can deal with the source of the sickness so we're not just symptom managing all the time. So we're not just worrying about behavior modification and I've got to do this a bit better, but actually we can deal with the stuff that's causing the stuff. If you're listening to this online, you have no idea what I just said. Deal with the stuff that's causing the stuff. One of the coolest names that Jesus gives himself is physician. He's borrowed it from the Old Testament names of God, the God who is the healer. And, and you know that when Jesus names himself, he always names himself with the attributes to fulfill that name. In other words, when we look at Jesus today, we're going to find out that Jesus is the one who deals with sickness. He's the one who deals with illness. And it's not just physical sickness, it's emotional sickness, it's spiritual sickness. He's the one who wants to bring healing. And I want you to remember that as we read this passage of scripture. Chapter 7 of Mark. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who'd come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. And then Mark gives us a little bit of a commentary on that. He says, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So, the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied... Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. It's not what you expect Jesus to say, is it? Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it's written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God. And are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban. Another commentary. That is a gift devoted to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. And you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he'd left the crowd and entered the house his disciples asked him about this parable are you so dull he asked don't you love that are you so dull (laughs) he asked don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean for it doesn't go into his heart but into his stomach and then out of his body Jesus is doing medical stuff In saying this, Jesus declared all food 
clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean for from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Let's just pray. God, very, very simply, we just want to hear your voice to us. We really need to understand how to unpack this thing in a way that helps you speak to our hearts and heal our hearts. Because we've all got our issues. We've all got our brokenness and we've all been damaged. And we need you. Would you show up? Meet us here. Speak your truth. Amen. So context, Jesus shows up and he's big news. I mean, you're going to be big news if you do the kind of things that Jesus did. And you're going to be huge news if you then speak about those things with authority as if you know God. And so Jesus is huge news. And he has this kind of weird following. (laughs) There are those who adore him and there are those who oppose him. Everywhere he goes, there are those who adore him and there are those who oppose him. It's weird, isn't it? The people who should have loved Jesus hated Jesus and the people who should hate Jesus love Jesus. Don't you find that weird? The people who should totally love Jesus because they're the religious guys totally hate Jesus because he is confronting them with their stuff and because he's exposing their stuff and because he's asking hard questions about their stuff and because he knows stuff about them. And so they hate him. They hate him. And the people who shouldn't love Jesus because they've got a whole bunch of stuff and they know they've got a bunch of stuff and they know they're excluded from stuff, they love Jesus because Jesus welcomes them and includes them and, 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 and that's how it rolls for him. The Pharisees, and if you've grown up in church at all, you will know that the Pharisees are traditionally the bad people, aren't they? They're like the, uh, the pantomime villains of the gospel. You know, he's behind you. The Pharisees are the baddies in in the gospel. And the weird thing is they're not really. They're pretty good people. The Pharisees. In the big scheme of things. I mean, if a Pharisee moved in next door to you, you want your kids hanging out with their kids because they're pretty well behaved. They're not going to get you into trouble. They're not going to be smoking behind the bike sheds. They're they're, they're the good kids in the neighborhood. They're pretty clean living. They're people like you and me. And that's why this passage of scripture is so relevant because this is us. Basically, this is us. We're the people trying to do the right stuff. We're the people trying to behave in the right way. We're the people trying to speak the right stuff. We're the people trying to bring our kids up in the, in the right way. That's why this is so devastating for us. But the thing about the Pharisees is they're trying to be godly. But in trying to be godly, they find themselves in opposition to everything that is godly. It's weird, isn't it? In their striving and driving and rules and regulations, trying to be godly, they find themselves a million miles from being godly. And we're probably a bit like that. How can you tell if you're a Pharisee? That's a great question to start a sermon with. How can you, how could you tell if you're being a bit Pharisee? I don't know. But, but what I do know is the Pharisees know what to say, but don't do, always do what they say. You ever experienced that? They know exactly what to say, but it's not always true of their lives. They speak the stuff but it's not real for them. The, the Pharisees, 
according to the New Testament. They, they practiced their faith to be seen by other people. They were overly concerned about what everyone else thought about the way in which they behaved and what they did. And they presented this front to everybody that everyone thought they were right with God, but deep down, it wasn't really true. Make sense? The Pharisees, they, they, they said they loved people, but really, really, this is subtle, really they loved themselves loving people. In other words, they, it's not that they didn't love people, but really they loved the concept and idea of loving people and everyone seeing them loving people and they loved the idea and concept of them loving people, but they didn't really have compassion for people. And when push came to shove, they were much more interested in themselves. And it's easy to condemn them, but actually a little bit, that's us. A little bit. And they were heavy on judgment. A bit like me. Really heavy on, let me tell you why. Because when your heart is cold or broken or sick and you can't do anything about it, other people's stuff becomes a welcome distraction from your own stuff that you can't deal with. So instead of looking inside or, or, or not wanting to look inside, you start looking at everyone else and say, well, they're just as bad or they're worse or, or that person or why do they do that or I hate it when they do that. And according to your little rule of things that you've decided that's not acceptable, forgetting the stuff that's not acceptable in you, you judge them. And they don't fit in. Remember this, Pharisees are not bad people. They're just sick people. <laughs> and Jesus is a surgeon. But the thing about surgeons is they're not interested in plastering over the wound. Or treating the symptom. They're really interested in the root and the cause. They're going to cut it out. So I want to make you well, I'm not interested in managing symptoms. I'm interested in healing diseases. And the Pharisees had a heart problem, and so do I. Pause for a moment around this metaphor of the heart. The heart is used in this passage a number of times, and the heart is used in Scripture umpteen times as the, as the most comprehensive term in the Bible for the authentic person. It's what it, it, the heart is where we desire, deliberate, decide. The heart is the, is the nerve agency, the feelings, the desires, the thoughts, the understanding, the will. And so the scriptures talk again and again about the heart. That's why the prophets talk about the heart. That's why Jesus talks about the heart. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Psalm 51. Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful and dreadfully wicked. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. And the Bible talks about hard hearts and broken hearts and cold hearts and pure hearts and trusting hearts and anxious hearts and healed hearts. And so Jesus shows up and says, I want to heal your heart. I'm not pointing a finger at your sin. I want to deal with your heart. I'm not worrying firstly about the behaviors. I'm much more worried about the core thing. I want to heal your heart because you're sick. And it's so exposing. That's why Jesus is so controversial. But he, but he doesn't just expose us to embarrass us, but to heal us. And he exposes us even today, not, not, not to cause you difficulty, not because he's a tyrant or a bully, but because he's a healer and a savior. And he says, I need to expose not just myself to you, but yourself to you, so that we would get to a place where you can come for healing. Because I love you. And, and in our best moments, 
That's what we want, isn't it? In our best moments, we want the savior of the world to expose our stuff. Because then it stands a chance of being dealt with. But in every other moment, we don't. Because we know how messy that's going to be and how difficult it's going to be. And so to the story. First five verses of Mark chapter 7, the religion police come for Jesus because he's always challenging them. And so they're opposing him and they are sick. And they, they come for him because news of his preaching and healing and of his conflicts have been brought to the attention of the religious authorities. The whole country was buzzing about Jesus. And so they sent another commission of religious guys to see Jesus. They'd already sent one, and it hadn't been very satisfactory. In fact, they come back thinking, well, he's doing incredible things that can't easily be explained away. He's either God or he's Satan. It's much easier for us to say that he's Satan. That's what they did. So they came again, and immediately they see the disciples, look at verse 5, and they've got bad table manners. The disciples. They're eating wrongly, they're washing wrongly, and, and this was, we think this is ridiculous, don't we? We think, look at him, he goes, what, who, you know? So sometimes our kids don't wash their hands before, they, it's, it's an issue, but it's not, it's not that bad to send the police after you. But the, the Pharisees had 229 laws about food hygiene. They weren't even part of the European Union. And they had all this whole thing going on. Not a political statement. No, I'm not going to go there. But, but they had all these laws. Uh, and, and they had this OCD thing. And you had to clean yourself. And we think that's ridiculous. But actually it was an important thing. Originally the law of Moses, the reason that you washed was to say how pure and holy God is and how messed up you are and to understand where you stand before God. It was, an, it was an important thing for them. It wasn't a bad thing for them. But what had happened, instead of the laws pointing towards God, the laws were keeping people away from God. Instead of the laws helping people understand who God is and understand who they are, they just kept people from God. And so verse 5, the Pharisees come and say, the disciples are not walking according to the tradition of the elders. And Jesus actually gets right in their face. He says, you want to go there? Let's do this then. Verse 14 to 23. Look at it if you've got your Bible. And what Jesus says is, let's just, let's just put this really simply so that nobody's going to misunderstand this. A person is not defiled by what enters their body, but what comes out of their heart. And those of you who love a cheeky Nando's or a kebab are loving that verse. I am not defiled by what is entering my body. <laughs> I'm going to get around later for that one. But what comes out of your heart. But Jesus is really saying what any IT geek would tell you. He's saying it's all about Geigo. Garbage in, garbage out. If there's garbage in you, there's going to be garbage out of you. And if there's garbage coming out of you, you better bet there is garbage in you. And let me tell you that you are bound to have garbage in you because you live in a heart damaging environment, don't you? The world we live in, what we hear, what we see, what we touch, what we say, damages our hearts. The philosophies of this world, consumerism, hedonism, 
competition, comparison. Your heart gets damaged all the time. You're comparing yourself to six billion people and, and, and your heart is getting damaged because your identity is getting damaged the whole time. Just growing up in this world, the things that are spoken over you and said to you and the things that are done to you and the choices that you make in life is gonna damage your heart. So you've got this damage going on in your heart and because there's damage going on in your heart, what's gonna come out of your life is damaged stuff. Damage in, damage out. Look at verse 21. See the progression here. The spread of this disease. It begins in human nature. It comes out of your heart. It develops in the human mind in evil thoughts. And it begins to get expressed in human actions. And then it becomes this cycle of sickness. And so your heart gets more damaged. And then your mind gets more damaged. And your actions get more damaged. And Jesus says, you're sick. And then Jesus, and this is important, we, we, we pause here for a moment. Jesus then talks about behaviors. And I wish he hadn't. I really wish Jesus hadn't then gone on to talk about behaviors because, because the religious church has been so big on behavior modification. We make a big deal about it because we can reach it and we can touch it and we can try and manage it and we can say, well, if we can behave a bit better and we can not be greedy or we can not lie or we can not do these things. Notice this. There are one and a half verses about behaviors but a whole chapter about the heart. In other words, the behaviors are just the result of sickness. The reason that you lie and that you cheat and you steal, the reason that you damage people, the reason that you damage yourself, the reason that you fear and the reason that you're anxious, the reason that all this stuff, the stealing and the killing and the grabbing and the lying and the coveting and the comparing and the pride and the destructive language, it's all the result of a sick heart. It's all the result of the fact that you're damaged and you've been damaged and you carry damage in your life. You're sick. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, if you're just trying to modify your behavior and you're missing the point so magnificently, the issue is this you're sick and you're spreading the disease and I'm telling you this not to beat you up but to heal you up because unless we deal with that stuff you're just going to carry that disease and hurt yourself and hurt everyone else around you and justify it and cover it up and try and make it look good but you're sick see the reason for this and the reason for this is about a relationship with a loving father who wants to make you well. The reason for this and this and us is not about pacifying an angry deity who is out to get you. And every time the church or the preacher has brought about things or spoken things or structured things and layered things that's brought death and not life, it can't be good or God because he's not like that. And every time the rules and regulations have resulted in boundness and restriction and not in freedom and life. It's not God because that's not who God is. He's the one who wants to expose your stuff. Because he's the one who has a better plan. And he's the one who has a better life. And Jesus goes on to say, my father is not really overly concerned with what it looks like. He's not overly concerned with the letter of the law. 
But he is really concerned with what it is like. And he is really concerned with the spirit of the law. Look at verse 6, 7, and 8. And Jesus starts to quote Isaiah chapter 29 at the Pharisees, and they hate it. They hate it because, and they're deeply offended because he's basically quoting their laws at them. And they feel exposed and they they respond with defensive aggression. And Jesus is saying, you know, your stuff, your rules, your regulations, your practices, your washing, which you think and you talk about being designed to make you closer to God is actually keeping you further away from God and your heart knows that and that's why you're so bitter and judgy. And then he says, and and what you're doing is you're letting go of the commands of God to hold on to the traditions of men. Isn't that true? Isn't that true that so often when we gather on what we do and how we speak and how we, what, we, what we prioritize, if you really analyze it and it really gets exposed, it's way more about the traditions of men and women down through the years that we have to continue to drive around in these vehicles and do these things, otherwise somehow we're going to offend somebody. And at the heart of it, the stuff that's value, the stuff that's of God, we've let go out the window. Jesus talks about this thing called korban. What we can understand by that is this. The religious guys were not helping their parents who were in need because of this law that they'd created that said if something is consecrated to God, it can't be used for anything other than the temple or God. And so in order to get away from having to gift money to people or things to people, they said everything is consecrated to God. And when people came in need, they said, we can't help you out. Because <clears throat> our stuff is already committed to God. And we go, how ridiculous and how offended are we by that? And we say we're off to a Hillsong conference and pay our tithe to the church and hang out for a Bible study and saving up for a gap year at Bethel. We're on our way to pray for you so we can't stop and help you. We fill our life full of the structure and we fill our life full of the talking to the already convinced and we fill our life with the people that we already love and like and we, and we do our stuff and we have our structures and before you know it we're so busy with the traditions of men that we let go of the commands of God to love people, to include people, to spend time with people, to care for people, to rest and enjoy life. And then we get a speeding ticket. And Jesus says, you're missing the heart of God. This religion, which was designed to make your heart warm towards God, now means that your hearts are cold towards God. These frameworks that were there to move you towards people have removed you away from people and the frameworks have become barriers, not bridges. So, so today, here's the thing. The great physician is here. We believe that, don't we? The great physician is here. And the great sickness is here. And, and here's the truth. Although you'd like to think so, there is no fool in God. Jesus shows that again and again and again in the scriptures. You can fool most of the people most of the time I have found to my shame. 
but you can fool God none of the time. And here's the thing, you can fool yourself almost none of the time either. Because you know you. And you know your stuff. And God knows your heart. And the real deal is not whether you show up or whether you read up or whether you speak out or, or, or whether you use your gifts. The, the, the real deal is what's going on inside you and your heart can deceive you. I'm a good person. That's why you're here. You're living a moral life. Generally, most of you are. Our hearts are moved. Our wallets are open. We give well. We're in church. We help people. We're not a racist, a sexist, a homophobe. And uh, it's good. But according, unfortunately, to the scriptures, none of that actually cuts it ultimately. They're not bad things. They're good things. But your heart can still be sick. You need a diagnosis and a healing. Missing the point. Missing the point of this. Missing the point of church. This is not about respectability or rank or about behavior modification or about being good enough or about making sure you don't sin very much or about being clean enough or right enough. It's, It's actually ultimately about being honest enough before God. About being open enough before God. About being available enough to God. About being needy before God. And being ready for the doctor, the healer, to heal you and let him do a work in you that means the behaviors can begin to get well. Because you can't do it. Only he can. I have, a, I have a couple of problems with sickness. Two. I probably have loads more. Here's my first problem. When I'm ill, I won't accept it. You know, I, I am not ill. I am never ill. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine. It's just a cold. It's just a cut. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine. And the reason is because I grew up in a family where you, ne- you could never have a day off sick. You know, my mother was the kind of person that if, you know, if you said, I'm sick, mum, she'd say, show me. Literally, literally, I'm not, no graphics, but you would have to, you know, there was no way. You could, you could be just really sick and I'm sure we infected most of the school most of the time um, but you just could never and there's something in me that still does that you know I'm not going to take a day off why would I lie in bed that's lazy it's going to be fine don't worry about it I can still do it I can make it happen so the first thing is I won't accept that I'm ill I won't accept that I'm sick the second thing is if I ever do accept that I'm sick and usually that's because my wife has beaten me to a pulp and told me that I've got to go sort it, sort it out and have some time off and she never beats me to a pulp don't send me any emails it's going to be fine Second thing is, when I, when I know that I'm sick, I am not going to a doctor. I'm not. I mean, there are people who are really sick. They really need help. And there are you know, the queues and people and, you know, and all this kind of... All this kind of and and here's, here's the thing. When it's a cold, it's one thing. If it's your heart, it's an altogether other thing, isn't it? Refusing to accept that you're sick and refusing to go and get go to someone who can sort it out is, is, is okay I guess if it's a cold and you can self-medicate and hang out with some vitamin C and some nutritionals and whatever else hot toddy um, but if it's your heart you need some help and Jesus knows something about us he knows that we have a tendency to be a Pharisee And he knows that we're not open to allowing our healer to heal us until we realize how desperately broken that we are. 
He knows that. And that's why he has to expose it. And that's why he has to point it out. And this is a heavy sermon. But, but here's the good news. With Jesus, it's never condemnation. It's only ever conviction. By which I mean, if it, if it was condemnation, he'd be saying, you're, 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 you're sinful, you're evil, there's nothing you can do about it, you're going to hell. But, 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 but instead, he says, you're sick, I'm a doctor. I can heal you, I'm willing to heal you, I'm willing to deal with this stuff, I can, I can place my hand on you, I can, I can change things, I can change the way you think, I can change the way you act, you don't have to live with this stuff, and the behavior stuff doesn't have to keep happening in your life. I'm a gracious savior who wants to save you, I'm a gracious healer who wants to heal you, I want to mend it, I want to fix it, I want to save it. And the great news when you read this passage is there's healing all around it. You know, chapter 5, there's a demon-possessed man who gets healed by Jesus. There's a dead woman who gets healed by, a dead girl who gets healed by Jesus. There's a sick woman for 12 years who gets healed by Jesus. Chapter 6, wherever they went, they placed the sick in the marketplaces because healing is normative in the economy of Jesus. And healing is even available to Pharisees like you and me. And it's available today. And it can change everything. The prophet Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 36, speaking of what God wants to do and speaking of what Jesus will do, he says this, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone, you know, your judgy, superficial, lack of integrity, cold, dry, out of relationship with God, religious stone heart. And I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you. The prophet prophesies it and the physician offers it. And he is here. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment um, and allow the healer of our souls, the savior of the world, to expose us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there is any disease in me. And heal me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. Spirit of Jesus, Spirit of the healer, convict, expose, heal. Because we're done with religion, we're done with layers and layers and layers of religion that keep people from you. And we're looking for a relationship. We're sick. We're sick.
Come Holy Spirit.